Attention, Pokemon players. You are listening to Triple P, the Pittsburgh Pokemon podcast. On today's episode, Chuck makes the cut. Jake runs a marathon. And a squirrel saves a god. Chuck, my friend, how are we doing today? <laughs> squirrel. Squirrel is a huge <laughs> lucky... Lucky squirrel foot, I guess. Or twice, twice. Uh, yeah, we'll talk twice. more about that in our meta recap of, of the Portland regionals. Um, but I, I first and foremost want to get to your tournament. Uh, you made the cut. Uh, got top it, eight. I want to hear about that run. What you were playing? Uh, how was that? And, all, and and how was your week? Uh, my week was all right. Well, starting off the quick, easy answer. Week was good. Uh, uh, just. But uh, did some like deck research, what I wanted to do for later in the week because I decided to go up to Jackson, Michigan, um, which is about an hour, a two hour drive for me mm-hmm. north. It's a little le- it's a little uh, west of Detroit for you geography majors out there. Um, but uh, yeah, went up there for a league cup. It was uh, happening on a Sunday. Um, it's a great little place. Uh, I want to give the the place a little bit of a shout out. Uh, the Jackson Pokemon League, um, they are one of the leagues that are they're transitioning to opening a shop now. Basically, their Pokemon League is now a shop because they were a league that would meet not at a retail store. So, um, okay, uh, they are the 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 couple that are now like basically shop owners. Basically, the storefront has been there less than a year, but they have been a league for almost uh, 15 years. Wow. Like, they're, I think they said they started the league when their son was uh, 10. I want, <laughs> don't quote me on that, but he was over 20 now. Yeah. So he was there helping run the tournament. So, that's very uh, awesome. Very awesome. Yeah, it's so it's it great to see. League. Yeah. Get to get, get great to see that that, you know, that come to fruition, uh, you know, Poke family. Uh, really into it and now hopefully uh this the shop venture you know pays out for them um and yeah. you know pokemon helps them with that i i hope uh they're they decided they said they decided to take the leap i hope their leap pays off uh it was a great place to play they're really nice people so if you're ever in jackson michigan look up the jackson pokemon league uh, and go play there right, um, right. i i would have gone with you uh i but yeah i just uh i had things to do we'll get that into that uh, a little bit later but i definitely I yeah. uh, want to hear about this one. So, um, I, I after our last cup, I wanted, I I was salty about it. Uh, we we went over that, but I wanted to give another go. So I went up. I took Lost Box again, but not the, I don't know what you want to call it, the one, the version with Dragonite, uh, and all of that. I yeah, it's like Turbo, the people. Turbo V Pokemon version of yeah. of Lost Box. Yep, uh, I dumped Dragonite, picked up Radiant Charizard and uh, his band of merry friends to counter stuff, I guess, the Mawile Miltank. Um, Did people then, get stuck by the Mawile? Did you win a game from Mawile uh, or somebody? I, no. Uh, Mawile <laughs> was still a head-scratcher. There was, I think, one player, person playing Lugia, and that was the only person I was like, Do what? this is where I might pull out the Mawile. But uh, no, uh, spent most Mawile spent most of the time in the lost zone, so thanks Mawile. Um, yeah. 
Miltank did find a turn to uh, against Mew, uh, of all things. Um, when they don't have when they have a Mew V Max and just Genesex on the board, uh, you can't copy Max Miracle. So, uh, yeah, but it bought a turn. Uh, so, um, that's that, that has been my primary use for Miltank. Those two cards are kind of on the cusp for me. For me, there's a couple cards I would like this in the deck, but. Radiant Charizard, I took basically Pablo's build. A couple other people recommended basically Pablo's build from the UIC. Um, and uh, I liked, I practiced it on Friday, and I just like the consistency of it. Um, and, and it's route to victory. Um, a little bit right. different than the other version that I've been playing. So I uh, ended up going 4-1-1 uh, through Swiss. Uh, my only loss was to uh, a mirror. Um, well, not a, I don't even want to say it was a mirror. Uh, well, I guess it was, but he was playing Moltres and doesn't and and still used Greninja, but I don't think he had um, Dragonite. Yeah, so it was a bit of a lost box build, um, and he just had uh, the hotter the hotter start in the game. Um, uh, we were both taking prizes, uh, but at one point uh, I just was like, "Well, you're gonna outpace me, and I can't catch up." So he won, and uh, the tie was to I believe the Lugia player, but he ended up we that was uh that was the uh, last round, and uh, we just I just took the ID to guarantee to cut right. That's the right um, move to make, especially in a in a tournament like that where um... yeah. Yeah, you're Especially not you're not you're, like having that grueling day two to try to make top eight at that point. So it's definitely the the move to make to to ID to get top eight, um, and then continue I, on from there. I thought about it for a second because I would like to you know maybe push out a matchup that I don't want to see, but um, Lugia isn't like an auto win, um, and four two two is was bubbling. So yes, uh, there was multiple four two twos that didn't get in that were. Um, and only one, I believe, made it. Yeah, taking um, that tie is uh, is a huge thing for sure. Yeah, so I, I I beat two Mews, which um was nice, even though I wasn't the easy four prize turn ahead of the, that you usually see. What I've been used to, um, you still um still can generate the easy knockouts. With I had a Drapion in the deck. I thought about using Moltres too. I've said this. Uh, I said this in in our Discord. I would like Moltres, but it adds five. Like it adds five cards to the deck. Mm. Where Drapion is one. Like I, that's right. the only. If that's the only right. reason. I and, and we talked about. You know, burn, and we talked about that center. kind of with with like the um, the Gardevoir with with the with or without the Mewtwo. Um, you know, when you can make it one card or five cards, sometimes you know that one card makes your deck a little bit more consistent, and sometimes that's all it need, uh, all it takes uh, to make the difference between a win and a loss. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So I beat two Mews, uh, split up. Uh, I had a good matchup against a Gardevoir uh, deck, but uh, you know that's where Sableye was kind of clutch. Um, their own gimmick kind of hurts them a little bit, but when you mm -hmm. can. And when you can throw damage on Pokemon early before he gets the youth to use him, it's kind of nice. Like, uh, he had a, the Shining Arcana Gardevoir up early, 
before Gardevoir EX. Um, put 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 a crammer hit into, hit into that. You can't. You know, I mean, it's only you can't throw a bunch of energy on that. Same thing with the Zacian. Though uh, I think most of my time was playing around Zacian, uh, tickling damage counters, as I say, onto the other guys. Um, mm -hmm. um, but it was a really close matchup, but pulled that one out. And then uh, last round had a really close mirror match. It was a lost box mirror uh, to basically secure the top cut uh, against yeah. some uh, a player we saw actually in our game in we saw at the other cup we went to in Ohio, he was, okay. he was back again too. Um, had another close matchup, ended up just being a turn ahead. So that's the biggest thing I've seen with lost box mirrors. Who's who gets, who gets to stay ahead. Yeah. If you take that first prize or prize, it's awesome. Um, and then like the only other way to come back, if you don't take the first prize is like, if they miss a turn for some reason, it's like their consistency was, thrown off or something like that so you you gotta kind of hope for your opponent to miss a turn um somewhere in the middle of the game um but it doesn't sound like you missed a turn and you uh you you did well no no it, it was close uh i had to select flower select three times before hitting the chorus uh so uh and then i hit the chorus to get me into four so that i could take the knockout with with uh, cramorant that was on the bench right, so right. awesome uh, is a it, I knew it needed to be done and and, and got it done. Uh, that is where I will say uh, I know I I talked crap last week on the cup, well, not necessarily on the cast, but on the at least while we were at the cup on Halucha. And I take it all back. <laughs> take it all back. Halucha was clutch the whole weekend. Uh, being able, it took it took knockouts. It set up stabilized knockouts. I get it. See it. Yes. See, Lucha is see is great. Lucha is a good friend of Sableye, uh, especially yeah. when there's comfies on the board, and you're like, ah, I don't, I don't understand it, but yeah, yeah, it, it definitely takes a, it makes a huge difference. Yep. Makes a huge difference. Uh, definitely enjoyed using Halucha. So 100%. yeah. Uh, so Swiss went well. Uh, I had real no complaints. Uh, cut was a whole different story. Uh, mm -hmm. Two, uh, <laughs> two quick games. Uh, I can't. It, it, it benched Cramorant, or started Cramorant, and passed twice, two games in a row. Oh, brutal! Uh, it was against Nartina. The first game, I the first game, I managed to put down an extra Pokemon, and I I kept the game going by, but I ended up giving up too many prizes. I had to bench Drapion at one point in time. To <laughs> take a hit. That's never a good sign. Yeah. yeah, I I had to bench him, and then he had to take a hit because it was Arceus. It was Arceus Tina. Uh, but he was not really like like going in the Arceus route heavily. Right, right, right. So, or he wasn't really going in the Tina route, I should say, heavily. Um, but uh, he hit Arce the the Drapion and did what I needed him to do. But uh, this is like next turn, I got going, and then I was like, I put some damage in, and I was like, if if he bosses Drapion, game's over. If he doesn't, I might be able to still. I mean, it's still going to always be a liability. He just straight up Boston. I was like, "All right, game two. and I yeah. uh, did the same thing, uh, except I didn't have a Pokemon on the bench, and uh, I was just game like, over. "Game over." Uh, if you got it, and he uh, he didn't have it the first turn, he had. <laughs> and then you <laughs> had to say it again. Uh, game over if you got yeah. it again. Oh, <laughs> I I, uh, I had to draw again, and I was like, "Oh, this is still bad." So 
uh, he just attached the energy and won uh, one there. So it was a uh, not a good showing in cup, but in the cut. But uh, I was trying to hopefully avoid that matchup twice in like that result, mm-hmm. like that that happens. I've noticed that sometimes you just can't play the game with a lost box. Yep, and, that's but, all you ever ask for with any deck is can I play the game? Um, and generally, you you're able to, um, especially you know you 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 played well in the cut and it, it gave you the chance. Um, and that's what we strive for as as you know competitive players to have a deck that you can come out the gate, have a chance. Every deck has uh, the tendency to to brick from time to time. We've seen it uh, at the Portland Regional. I know I've seen it myself. Um, even after a good run of a tournament. Uh, so it happened. So it was great to see that you you know you finally the work paid off and you you got the top eight at least. Um, you know, hopefully you you had that kicker, so you got the plus twenty five, right? Yeah, yeah. There we go. There we go. Top eight got points and prizes. So you're you're, you're yeah. creeping back up on me. <laughs> uh, I am. I don't exactly remember where that takes me, because um, I think it was only at thirty eight uh, plus the twenty five would take me to. 62 63 maybe i'm still just ahead of you still just (laughs) ahead of you uh not too not a little too far away from the 350 still but yeah same here uh we you know we we had some hiccups along the way but um as is of our first actual season um but yeah i like i was saying i i would have loved to go with you uh but this weekend uh was a family weekend uh saturday uh you know when you were playing uh, I went to, or my son was signed up for a, a 1K over at uh, next to PNC Park um, and doing like all through the city and everything, uh, which 1K is not a big deal. Um, it wasn't for me, at least. Uh, my son struggled bus through it. <laughs> I was trying to encourage him the whole <laughs> way. Um, we finally got through, um, you know, the 1K at like the 18 minute mark. <laughs> he was, uh, um, <laughs> I would say athletics isn't necessarily his, his super forte. He likes, uh, you know, he's a video game player, which is awesome. Uh, he's pretty good at art and all that stuff, too. Uh, but, you know, every so often, you know, you got to try to push yourself. So um, we did that then walked around the city um, uh, and, and we just hung out. It was a beautiful day. Um, and then I was kind of heartbroken because I was like, oh, I'm in the city. I'll play a little bit of go. Um, and I put the, the incense out where you get the, you know, the birds, the legendary birds. Yeah. And I encountered a Galarian Zapdos for the first time. This is the third bird I've seen. Um, have I failed on my two attempts previous uh, to catch one. And so I, I was like reading up on like tricks and tips of how to catch them since they're so low catch rates. Um, and you're supposed to like intentionally miss the bird, like throw away like 15, 20 balls. Like you're just like horrible at the game. You can't catch them. Um, and then at that point, throw the golden Raz and, and the uh, ultra ball. Um, and I did that and I threw the ultra ball, hit a great throw. It wasn't an excellent throw, but it was a great throw, especially yeah. under the pressure when you only get one throw. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and like he gets in the ball and then he, he popped out and, and ran away and ruined, <laughs> ruined at least the <laughs> la- next couple hours where I was like sulking. Uh, well, you know, it was a beautiful day and we we're walking around, but. You know, thus, thus his Pokemon Go is just kind of a um, heartbreaking moment there. But uh, all good. I didn't get to really play a lot of Pokemon. No, nothing really competitive this week. Um, like I said, it was more of just family time and, and all that fun stuff. Uh, but looking forward to, you know, this coming up weekend, having 
um, our our charity event, um, the Juga Hobbies having the CJC uh, charity event this weekend. Uh, so I'm looking forward to playing there. Um, you know, raising some money for a good cause, and then um, you know, playing some Pokemon, uh, and and hopefully, um, you know, make make cut and make some noise again, um, like I always strive to do. Um, but yeah, that was basically yeah. my week. Yeah, sounds like a good good weekend. Yeah. One, yeah, one more thing bad. I want to mention. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it because I got some good advice this weekend because I was, you know, in the dumps about the the play last weekend. But uh, one thing that I think really helped me um, this week is uh, they told they advised me to just keep when you're playing and, and anything kind of you can kind of use it anything competitive. But when you're playing a card game, at least. Keep, uh, keep. I'm sure some competitive players might tell you this too. You got to keep an even head the right? whole time. It's not always um, easy. It's not easy, but if you can't, like I did, made a purpose to keep an even keel, and that goes both ways. So, like, you can't get too hyped because I think I got too hyped one game last week, and then I lost it because I threw it, and then right. you can't get too low because then you tilt. And then you start making mistakes from before. So my the big advice was to keep it even, keep keep the emotions kind of in check in general. You know, be happy. Um, you know, congratulate your opponent. You know, things like right, that. Right, right, right. But but just keep your emotions in check. Kind of stay in an even mindset the whole time. And I did that uh, the whole time, and I, I got better results. So. Yeah, again, there. it's not no. easy, but it's 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 good advice. Um, what I always think of, um, you know, regardless of the situation, if it's favored for you or you're you have a bad hand or whatever, it's like it's kind of like a puzzle. Um, like, what do I need to do to either a um, what would my opponent not want me to do to them? Um, so, you know, you to do that. Or if you're just like in a really sticky situation, like what could you do to prefer, pre- preserve resources that are valuable to you so like if you're playing lost box what could you do to potentially um you know protect the comfy where you you know you you only get one out and then you have something else so sometimes that is um you know having a sacrifice uh, sacrificial pokemon and putting them on the bench and forcing you know those those other resources from your opponent so um it's it's always it's not always easy to do especially when those bad things happen to you but there's usually at least an optimal play even if it's not perfect situation there are still things that can you can do to keep you in a game long enough where you can maybe get some traction and catch up especially with these um you know these one prize decks or or decks that have multiple you know different prize trades here um where if you can buy one or two more turns sometimes that's all you need yeah yeah but But, yeah that that was my big i I just felt like i they deserve a shout out so 100 um, thanks for the good advice Anyway, all right, let's move on. Uh, we got Portland Regionals recap. Um, it was a very busy weekend of Pokemon. Like I said, I didn't get to watch uh, day one really because I was out doing the marathon with the family, uh, and I was you know out for the majority of the day, but I did get to catch a lot of day two. There was a lot of um, really fun matchups. Um, the meta is pretty balanced overall. Um, and you know, all the same hitters are there though. So, 
Um, you know, your day two, you're seeing a lot of Lost Box success, a lot of Lugia success. Gardevoir um, had a really kind of a big dip from day one to day two, uh, but still was represented fairly in, you know, the day two meta Muse there. Um, and then Arceus Garatina, obviously the winner there. Um, but just Arceus decks in general um, feel pretty good. Um, and then, you know, you got your Lost Box, Gudras, your Duraldons, things like that. Um, so n- nothing too shocking as far as just like meta um, uh, archetypes. Um, but it's nice to see that it's a pretty like s- straight line there where I'm um, not like one thing like super, super dominant. Obviously, Lost Box variants um, was close to 30% in day two. Um, but yeah, so, so yeah, like... They, they weren't overly dominant. They just had a very good conversion rate on the day. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think Gardevoir was the most popular deck in the field yes. out of every, everything uh, on day one. Um, but then its conversion rate was just not not that well, not not that good um, compared. Right. And that, and I I want to stop and kind of just start there. Um, what what do you think is the cause of that? So Gardevoir obviously is a good deck. It has um, a lot of high ramping damage output. It, ha- it can you know trade evenly with a lot of decks because it's only one and two prizers. Um, kind of tanky at times with the Gardevoir potentially, um, but in pretty consistent on setting up. And it's actually not necessarily 100% ju- judge proof, but um, once you get set up, you know, all those um, refinements are pretty good to kind of keep that consistency engine going. Um, so I, mean, I guess what my question is, um, why such a a, a hard, like a steep fall off from day one into day two? Um, I don't have a good like. There's not a like like put the finger at this that is its problem. I think it's just in generally a it's a well balanced and fair deck in the meta. It's good, but it still require it still relies on enough two prize Pokemon that you're not completely trading like favorably against every deck that is two prize Pokemon, like a uh, Lugia or something like that. And then, um, I mean, but against, the, bench... against like the Lugia decks, like the sky seal stone, right? Right. I said the right one, right. That gives you extra yeah. prizes. That's the right one. It's the stone that gives yeah. you extra prizes. Sometimes that's enough though. Like uh, it can definitely throw the Lugia yeah. math, uh, prize trade off, uh, quite a bit. Um, you are, you are arguably a little bit slower than everything else because you you are trying to get a stage two up. So even if you go first, your second turn is still maybe setting up. It may not be punching right away. It, it can, you know, you get the rare candy. Uh, it can it can turn into a good turn, but you are usually to hit. You you require like your main attackers to hit the big bigger HP two prizers is like Zacian or Gardevoir at the moment the Shining Arcana one right uh, so um, you may not have Shining Arcana so then you maybe maybe the decks are relying a little bit more on Zacian uh, which is if you're pumping him full of energy he's pretty easy to knock out for two prizes right um, so that's where that's where I think the trade might not be super favorable it can trade more effectively because it has single prizes attackers but then i don't know other decks like lost box which is also popular 
can find ways to double dip on them single prizers. Right. Um and 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 play around with that. And if they were hitting a lot of lost box, um, then that might be a struggle for Gardevoir. So I mean, it all depends. Uh a bit <laughs> all depends too on like what good players were playing and if they were constantly seeing some bad matchups or something True. like that too. And I want to bring this back to like what you talked about with Lost Box. Like Lost Box, like even you you said you know, you had some bad starts there in the cut. Um, but generally, like if you find like they have that one good flower selecting or you find that chorus, you can start getting your 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 consistency set up. Uh but with with Garatina, it feels like if you miss that or have that awkward start. Um, now you're in an extra turn behind because even after you get your Rolses the next turn, if you do happen to find that, now you're trying, now you're waiting another turn to, you know, start that evolution chain to start the refinements and stuff like that. And I think a deck like Lost Box right now, when it does stumble a little bit, it can catch up faster. Um, but it's so much more detrimental to Gar- uh, Gar- or Gardevoir when it does stumble at the beginning. Um, Especially if you don't get any of those Ralts out, or if you only get one out, and it's like it—it's it, it's not quite enough. Um, it feels like, yeah, because it doesn't have that. I mean, uh, Cresselia is not even really that attacker that you can just kind of like put down and then use. Right. You can, but you you need Gardevoir still to be able to you know do the the move that you want to do. Right. Um, so it doesn't have that that kind of like buy a turn or or that inexpensive base basic attack that can start pumping out damage at least for you to use later like lost box may do or some other decks may do but it just kind of relies on i have to take the few turns that i have here to get get this engine rolling and then hopefully um you won't be able to withstand my uh onslaught later right so do you feel that this guard of war deck is going to you know, lose popularity now that it like kind of dipped like, uh, like it did, uh, or do you think it's still you know a good enough deck, a, a deck that's still consistent enough where people are still going to play it, and maybe not like number one, uh, meta share, but still, um, you know, in the top three. Um, I still probably think it's in the top three. Um, I don't. It, it probably will lose popularity. The difference we have, I think, from what we've we sought for way too long with Silver Tempest format is there was clearly a top deck in the format like right, right. it was lugia top. and everybody else was trying to get like and now everybody's at least even it, it, it like, was we're playing like this is lugia is the best deck and every other deck was like all right we need a game plan to play against lugia mm-hmm. now the the field is more wide open you can put in things that are good for certain matchups that you may see but you may not ever use them so the the spread is going to be a little bit more equal. Um, so someone might be like, "Yeah, Gardevoir wasn't the play this time," or uh, then they might jump ship to something else. Um, because as I'm just looking at the day two um, meta from the tournament, like the the analysis, like all five decks that they mentioned are uh, clearly, I think, viable decks to play in this format. Hundred um, percent agree. So, maybe Lost Box, there's three different variants of Lost Box that are viable, uh, depending on your your slice of the pie that you want. Um, Lugia, Archeops still, Gardevoir still good, Mew VMAX, somehow still playable. 
Um, <laughs> and then Hazu and Gudra, I think, is really good. Um, has some good matchups. And then Arceus Giratina. Arceus something is going to be uh, in that top five. Uh, Giratina is the right. flavor of the month right now. And, and I guess um, I, I, I do want to talk about Arceus just in general. Um, and I guess the, the percentage of Arceus decks, Arceus plus whatever, is relatively low compared to all these other decks. Um, but it, it's it's proven, you know, that, that Arceus with uh, Babarel Squovit um, is is pretty solid because it's one of the, what, um, the last two uh, big tournaments that we've had uh, with the Portland here and with uh, EUIC. Uh, so having that engine um, seems to be probably, you know, an engine that a lot of people are sleeping on. But obviously... Um, Top players are bringing it to um, great success. Uh, so I think overall, I, I feel like Arceus is underrepresented. I, I, yeah, I, I don't think Alex used... I mean, he might not have used Spovit, but he used Barbaro. Pretty sure he, he used Barbaro. I don't think he even used Barbaro. He might have... Actually, Maybe. I could be wrong. I, I, I can't remember if he had a very thin line of Barbaro in there or not. Something that he wouldn't put down every game. Mm-hmm. I know he didn't use Spovit. Um, but I, I mean, the common thread is that Arceus is a really, still a really good card, and um, it just helps you uh get set up and 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 play the game. Yeah, really. especially with a, like uh, anything. an attacker, um, you know, like Duraladon or like um Garatina, where they can take those big hits too. Um, and you know, and take some big Okos, um, especially if you're consistently setting up. So, um, like I said, I think people just need to give it a little bit more love. I know I've tried, I'm not may- maybe necessarily brave enough, um, in this meta where it still has that perception of maybe being a little bit slower, um, than some of the other decks that uh, finished ahead of it. Um, but we saw in the finals where. Um, you know, two of those three games where it set up faster than Lugia, um, and that's all it needed to, you know, get set up and stop Lugia from doing its thing. Uh, yeah. And ultimately took home the win. So, um, yeah, and I, 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 I've seen a couple people say that Artina still is a pile, but I mean, I, I refrain from calling a deck a pile after it wins. I mean, you, Alex called his own deck a pile, right? Uh, right. I <laughs> see. So, I mean, you take the word pile however negative you want to take it, but um, the the fact of the matter is, like, I, I think what Arceus decks will not do is is stumble that much. Right. Whereas uh, if you watch the, the finals uh, and even the semifinals where we saw a lot of... Um, Mr. Leitner, I can't remember his first name. I remember his last name. Um, the winner. Landon. Uh right? Landon. Yeah. Um, is it Landon? I, I yeah. Completely spacing. But <laughs> when he was on stream a lot, and what you saw is that he relatively set up consistently every game, and if his opponent happened to stumble. Uh, especially in the finals where uh, you you don't set up, he is, and he's going to take advantage of that. That is what I think the Arceus piles 
will will advantage will take advantage if you play a deck that can stumble and if it stumbles against an rcs pile it's probably beating you that's that's my takeaway 100 so i guess now that we're still on rcs pile uh garatina right now uh the the big elephant in the room we got to talk about it uh you know <laughs> squovit saves the day i have some hot takes on this but obviously um, there were two instances in that semifinal game against uh, Grant and his lost box decks uh, where Landon was in a situation where he put down Squovit and had to use the ability to draw one card for one specific card to kind of help that game state going. And, you know, for for the, you know, the highlight reels, obviously it was it was crazy. You hear the crowd going wild, uh, getting the Garatina getting the Arceus in the in the time of need um to literally swing the game uh in his favor uh super crazy um and very entertaining um uh, but I still argue <laughs> in one of those games I still think he um he put himself in such a awkward position um with the prize trade where I still think um you know putting one barrel down wasn't a a bad play necessarily uh, because it's that seventh prize. I know some people say, you know, you got to work around Echoing Horn, which uh, if he knew that if he knew the deck, yeah, a hundred percent. But at least in like game game one, make him like earn it, I, I guess, or approve it um, is my point there um, to you know to to make that prize trading thing. Um, but because he didn't put the barrel down, uh, he was he was forced into those situations uh, to put you know put Squovit into there. And one of the times, even um, the second time where he got the Arceus uh, to, you know, the Arceus V-Star, uh, the turn before he had a boss's order, or not a boss's order, a professor research, and he he needed to use the Squovit after that because, like, he yeeted he it away when he, he could have just held it in his hand for the next turn and then potentially got the card he needed. So I feel like he got super lucky in that matchup, and I think Grant kind of got robbed because um, I feel Grant played probably the cleaner games, uh, but obviously, um, you know, you know, the rest of the week, he, he, even in the finals, he played it masterfully um, and, and whatnot. I just uh, that Squovit play was crazy, but I still feel I still question the need to act, for him to be in that position. I guess uh, to to have yeah. to use it. Yeah, I mean, what this is a thing. Like, I don't, I don't like the like. So it is in. I've seen the percentages that people are putting out there. It is right. incredibly fortuitous that uh, he hit the cards he did hit when he needed to hit them off of that ability. But uh, I hate to put a game like saying like not that he was robbed, but let's just take the scenario of that it's a clean game and he hits those cards in other ways like on his turns and then yeah what's what what is what is the excuse what is the next excuse then like if you didn't have a way of getting over that with him like if he didn't hit those car if he did hit them in other ways then all he did was do it in the flashiest way possible then in my eyes i see what you're saying but i'm my point is in, 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 I, the reason i think he got robbed uh where grant got robbed is because Landon put himself in such a low percentage play, not playing it optimally. Oh. Uh, like if you had the Barbaro out and then you 
industrials and sliders before, or even put the squovit down late game or whatever to you know do the combination, and then he draws into it. That's definitely like you you set your board state up to you know have a higher odds percentage. Um, and, I, I, and that's why I could agree I, with that. And, like, and, and I don't think Grant played optimal. anything wrong because he has such thin, narrow margins having to go over that many Pokemon. But then he puts them in such an awkward position because he needed to find one card out of one. And, and you know, the odds of that happening twice uh, are very low. So that I guess that's my argument yeah. um, and how he got robbed in, you know, making it to the finals. But again, um, Arceus, Arceus gets bailed out by a squirrel. Uh, squirrel saves the life of two gods uh, to bring him to the finals and ultimately overcoming and, and winning the championships. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it a, I mean... It, 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 a series of events, a great series of games. I I, uh, I kind of feel bad for a little bit for Reagan in the finals, too. Um because I think that was the second finals where his deck, like, didn't want to cooperate uh, in right. in the finals. Yeah, um, but and see, in that instance, in game three, Landon set up to the position where he did and sequenced it beautifully uh, to you know get that, <laughs> um, get you know a low hand on Reagan's side and be able to put the path of the peak down to you know block him after he's used his uh, used his VSR ability. So um, you know. As much as I was given um, a little bit of the luck factor with the the squirrel ahead of time, I feel like he did it perfectly to shut down Lugia, and that's kind of what Lugia kind of runs into. If it if it gets passed, sometimes it just kind of you know yeah. is, is not great. But uh, the deck overall is super consistent, and obviously it has a pretty good matchup spread overall um, against a bunch of different things and a lot of different outs. And you saw it in game two of the finals, like once he gets set up, um, then he just needs you know you know prize map accordingly and once you can do that uh great players will take advantage of it yeah yeah that, that's that's kind of why i just said that reagan's deck didn't want to cooperate a little bit because he just had the slower starts which then landed quickly like put the stopper on the bottle of him even trying to be able to get out of that right uh, with with some pretty good plays Hundred uh, percent, but overall, I think uh, you know the meta, uh, the decks, and the decks that we saw success with, uh, not anything surprising. Um, pretty solid day, uh, day two, pretty entertaining to watch. Again, like always, um, every single one of these regionals entertainment value just goes up and up and up. Uh, so, uh, you know, can't wait to you know watch more of them, um, and and kind of go from there. Uh, was there anything else about day two or, you know, or, or Portland that you wanted to talk about? No, um, I was a little surprised that another another Maridon made top eight, but um, my feelings around the day like, is interesting because he didn't play Regilecki's. Um, so uh, it's nice to see a newer take on trying to make it, I don't know, more consistent endgame. Um, right. But Kudos to someone still taking Maridon and making top eight with it. So yeah. making us all it's a fast deck. I love it. it. I play it a lot on live um, just to climb the ladder and just kind of uh, play some quick games. So um, there's a lot to be said about a deck that's pretty simple and you just straightforward goal. Um, and I guess one last thing I want to talk about on Portland 
um, you know, lost box all a lot of success, um, you know, and then obviously Grant uh, getting semifinals. I know Azul made a huge run, um, but, you know, both players had some awkward hands um, that, you know, the flower selectings or the choruses um, led to some, you know, misplays um, in those situations. So um, even top players um, like Azul and Grant, um, you know, put in situations because of the deck they're playing. Obviously, the skill cap um, is a lot higher uh, or the ceiling is a lot higher. But, um, you know, even those the top players sometimes stumble uh, and make mistakes. And I know um, we saw, you know, examples of that on stream, too. Uh, not to take away from, you know, obviously their play overall. Um, but, but a deck like Maridon, you generally won't have those kind of um, gaffes because it's pretty straightforward. You just like throw some energy on, smack something. Um, <laughs> so um, you just kind of have to, you know, determine what kind of player you are, how much mental, um, you know, uh, energy you want to put towards decision making through a whole day, day one, day two, um, and then, you know, kind of go from there. So um, a lot to be said about Maridon and it's it's ease. Uh, it's not so taxing on the brain. Yeah, for sure. For sure on that one. All right, Chuck. I think that was a good recap overall. Um, time to get in some to into some trivia. It's time, time to for trivia. Trivia. All righty. I've got one for you. Um, it's maybe a difficult one again. I'm kind of jumping into the well, not do, picking like those super meta cards or anything like that. Um, but it is going to be a standard legal Pokemon, um, and it's going to be uh, an attack. Um, so this week's Pokemon attack name is Gentle Slap. Gentle Slap? Yep. Um, I have some issues with this, too. And, and, and while you're thinking, um, it is... It's gentle slap and it just does 30 damage. Um, I have issues with the amount of damage it does, uh, because you have cards, you know, like like our Weedle, like our Caterpies, and stuff like that. They do like full on attack name is called Tackle and it does 10, but a gentle slap does 30, which is that's (laughs) why I picked it because I had a gripe with it, but uh, I don't know if that helps you at all. Uh, It doesn't. So I feel like this is like a friendly Pokemon. Um because it's a gentle slap. <laughs> I don't know. You're giving me these banger. Like I don't know these ones. <laughs> these ones these ones are a little hard. I wouldn't expect you. I will give you a hint. It is a basic psychic type. Not a routes, a routes. I don't think no, because that's teleportation burst, and then there's memory skip. I don't know what the the actual scarlet and violet one does, but I think it was something like Psy something. Um, I'm trying to think of like a Clefairy or or something else that's newer. It is newer. Yeah, I, mean, I can't think of the psychic like there's the littles, flattles, 
I'll give you one more hint. It is the illustrator. There's an illustrator art of this card. I think it's the illustrator, right? Um, okay. Um, so it has it has a little bit of love when it comes to just at least the collection portion of the game. Shoot. Well, now I have to. There's a Ralts. I'm rethinking in the Ralts. Um, there's another one, though. There's a uh, not a drift, not the. Is it the slow, slow poke? Very close, I guess, but no, it's not slow poke. It oh. is drowsy. No, oh, the one that's... that he's at the at the circus <laughs> or the fair, and everybody's yes. like <laughs> he's on the spotlight. Spotlight, yep, and he gently slaps you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a good one. You got me. Got me again. I got him. I got him. I have to go hard mode, or else he's just gonna get it. Uh, so I do apologize. <laughs> well, I speaking will, of that, I'll you'll give, give me a mine. softball, and I'll swing and a miss. <laughs> we'll see if it's a softball because I'm gonna open a pack here, and you're gonna guess the hit. So uh, I gotta get to the hit. I'm doing this. Uh, I'll be honest, I'm doing this one digitally. I'm opening one of my codes because uh, I don't have any RRL stuff. <laughs> I, I got antsy and open my packs after I made top eight. So <clears throat> the hit on this one is it's an attack and is called Last Respects. Last Respects. <laughs> Um, this has to be like a ghost type Pokemon or something like that. Um, and I'm trying to think of, of Pokemon that are like dead. It could be, what's the new dog, the uh, hounds, hounds, something that the new like burial dog, I forget the new, what he is, um, the psychic type, but he's a ghost dog, has like a thing on his head or it could be spiritum because there is a spiritum in this set and he's dead last respects what no it's i think it's between those two um let me ask you what type is this it is a psychic pokemon then it's the dog um uh, <laughs> i forget his dang name again if i have <laughs> this right and i i don't know how many times i've got the right card but just can't remember the name um why this can't is three weeks in a row. <laughs> so you you're telling me I'm right that I got it's the dog with the, the new dog with the 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 the, uh, the stone on his head. Oh, I can't remember his name. You, for the you have <laughs> basically described his name <laughs> to a T. But I didn't say it. Description of what he is. Yeah, that he's a. a, a, a Great graveyard, grave dog, great graveyard. Just, that, just give that's just the dog with the stink, stink tombstone on his head. Tombs, tombs. What um, is another word for tomb. dog? Pooch, dog, hound, pooch. Why can't I think of this? I am so bad under pressure. Just it. Tell it was one of those ones. Just tell me. It's pooch. It's hound stone. Stone. See, hound I knew. I 
I told you everything that it was. I am I know the cards. I just don't remember the names. <laughs> I'm a visual learner, not I'm not by the books. <laughs> I am so good at, at like, being it's a so dog close. with a stone on his head. That's exactly his name if you put it together. <laughs> dog with a stone on his head. Yeah. Dang it. <laughs> I am so bad at this. You guys, you guys gotta give me a, a little bit of credit, but you also have to give me some grief. This is what three weeks in a row now that I've basically gotten the card. I've described the card to a T, but I can't pull the trigger on the name. Oh, are your Pokemon names? <laughs> I can't. I only have so much room up here. <laughs> I remember what they do and look like. That's all. I, that's good enough, right? Yeah, I guess you're, you're putting uh, the, the attack to the card, though. <laughs> I say that one. Uh, I'm just always like one cent short. <laughs> so it's me. <laughs> all right all right let's move on so it's uh time to go into our new segment of who would win and i had one lined up um and i changed because people uh, you know locally kind of guessed what it was going to be because uh based off of me last week saying um or two weeks ago saying uh weedle versus caterpie kind of some weak bugs um i was gonna go in the week pokemon zone as far as fish but i wanted to keep it kind of in the bug family again um because this is they're a step up i think of toughness um and this is inspired by when i was a, a kid um taking a, a roly poly or a pill bug depending on where you are from the country and then putting it in uh like a glass with an ant or two and seeing who would win in that fight um so this is inspired by that um so <laughs> Who would win Wimpod versus Durant? Wimpod's the closest roly-poly I could think of. I mean, off the, yeah, off the, well, there's, I would say Whirlipede is probably closer, but that is. I, I picked Wimpod. It's already, it's too late. It's Wimpod. Yeah, no. <laughs> That is a very that's a much more evolved form and would not uh, I don't think uh uh who's the other who's the other who are you fighting? Wimpod and Durant. Durant. I don't think that's a fair fight anymore. <laughs> oh jeez, Wimpod versus Durant. And I don't get the Multiple Durants. <laughs> Multiple Durant. Multiple small Durants. <laughs> Uh, By multiple, it's like three. I'll tell you this. Uh, Wimpod's going to deck out. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 there's, I have to pick Durant on this one only <laughs> because I like Durant. He's probably one of my favorite Pokemon in Pokemon Go. Uh, I don't, I don't know why I liked, I like catching Durants in Pokemon Go. Um, I have a whole bunch of them. Uh, I like naming him Kevin after Kevin Durant. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, so, uh, yeah. So and it it is the original deck out deck in in my time right. period. So it, it definitely is. It, this is not anything to do with the card game or the video game. Um, like I said, it, when I was a child, I would put these bugs against each other, and oftentimes the ant would win because the roly poly would just curl curl up. Uh, sometimes curl up with an ant inside of them, and then the ant just took takes them down. <laughs> uh, but 
I have to go against you just That's to fine. you know have a different uh you know point of view. Um, but Wimpod uh definitely is stronger than a regular uh roly poly slash pill bug. Um, you know, those you know, those spiky legs on the side are not like internal, so he can fight off the, the ants as he goes there. Um and then that he has that tail that he can do like a tailspin and like smack um when a regular roly poly could not. So that's that's my that's my best argument for for Wimpod. Yeah, I'll say this: if he's fighting multiple Durants, he's got to get some experience points over multiple Durants. He's got to get like Goliath. The Goliathopod's got to come out at one point. Right, right. <laughs> it turns into Goliathopod. I think Durant is Game in over, trouble. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Just generally, uh, the Wimpod. Yeah, I still, I still think. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. The Durants win. Durant does be a Durant form of Bill Paxton in the background going, "Game over, man. Game over." <laughs> All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that one. Uh, and I'll try to come up with other clever ones uh, that inspired by, you know, my youth of growing up in, in, in you know, putting bugs against each other. But uh, it's time to move on and get a word from our sponsors. The Pittsburgh Pokemon podcast is brought to you by Sports Car Junction. Located in the North Hills of Pittsburgh, Sports Car Junction is a one-stop shop for players and collectors with a wide variety of singles, supplies, packs, and boxes available in-store and online at sportscarjunction.com. And don't forget to check out our weekly league Thursdays at 6.30. And welcome back. Thank you again to Sports Car Junction, one of our sponsors. It uh it's great to have him as a sponsor because we get to do what it is time to do again and that is give stuff away so thanks to sports card junction so it is time for the second half of our key phrase so your keyword for this week's podcast to uh then send us the phrase you gotta get out there send us a phrase twitter facebook all them places wherever you can message us tell us in person and we will get you entered for a free etb shipped to you at no cost so free cards free f-r-e it's free that's not the keyword i'm spelling out i'm just getting (laughs) getting a little hype going the keyword uh to complete the phrase is the wind so if you remember last week's uh keyword you can blank the wind all we are is dust in the wind Yeah, maybe maybe something the wind. If you uh, don't remember it, go back to last week around this uh, this time frame. Uh, we have that key word, keyword there for you. Yeah. But yes, so combine those two. Let us know what the key phrase is, and we'll get you entered in for the ETB. Yeah, definitely do that, uh, and we'll we'll announce a winner next week, and then hopefully have it shipped off shortly after that. So good luck to everybody, and thank you again for you know the community support uh, to the podcast uh, and to Sports Car Junction um, as well. So um, give them some love. Um, check out their website, or if you're in the Pittsburgh area, come out and check out the store. Um, it's probably you know it's it's my favorite store locally, which we have a ton of super awesome uh, LGSs. So. Uh, definitely give them some love uh, in any way you can. Yep. All right. And that makes it time for the news. And this week, uh, we got uh, 
we got some some new cards, and we got a little bit of an update on what's going to happen with Pokemon TCG. Oh, so we'll start with that because uh, this is writing on the wall. But uh, if for those of you who want to keep, for those of you who are still playing on PTCGO, uh, that game will officially sunset and uh, all the apps will be moved from the App Store and the servers will be shut down on June 5th. So that, you have less than a month now uh, from the release of this episode of, of so I mean, do what you want with TCGO stuff. I feel like it's already been dead just because we've already had our time on the podcast giving it a, you know, a farewell and, you know, shared some memories there. Uh, so to me, it's already been uh, laid to rest um, and, and with Houndstone. Any of those people that were like expanded, yay, and they were still going, sorry for your luck, but you have until the fifth. Uh, and then that's about it. And that's the last we'll bring that up. So. Uh, yeah, so moving on to the fun new stuff to talk about, uh, we got some new cards, uh, which we are seeing new cards from the Pokemon 151 set in Japan. So, uh, we got a cool new stadium, uh, revealed. Um, I'm just gonna read it because it's pretty cool. It's called Cycling Road. Um, so once during each player's turn, that player may discard a basic energy card from their hand. If they do, that player draws a card. Um, and that is it. It's the stadium. Pretty cool. So it's one, of those, get a card. it's one of those cards, you know, a stadium card that helps you draw, helps you thin. Uh, a lot of things want things in the discard pile, so this might go well uh, in combination with like a Guard of War kind of deck. Um, it could be with a Palkia kind of deck. Something to that effect. Um, to discard that, plus obviously drawing cards is always a great thing. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of success with um, with with the Greninja. Uh, Greninja kind of ha- does the same thing. This is slightly worse, um, but on a stadium, you could definitely com- combine this um, with refinements, with with um, you know uh, concealed cards and and cards like that. Um, the one thing that's a little concerning is it's one of those things like. Um, like it, like the training courts, like the Viridian Forest of the of the past, um, where you're helping your opponent potentially do the same thing to help their strategy. Um, so that would be the downside, though. Um, but I can see a lot of different archetypes of decks that would definitely like this kind of card uh, to be in addition to help with that consistency engine. Yeah, um, it's not a card. It's like going to be. It's kind of like a training court in my eyes where it's not something that is like hard let's put this in a like a hard like yeah this is goes in this deck yeah. kind of like a um a beach court was to lost box you know what right. i mean like oh, this goes in lost box um like this could be good in lost box they like doing radiant greninja any deck that liked doing radiant greninja um usually didn't mind energy in the discard and or and wanted to draw more cards. So this right. could be a stadium that works in that type of deck uh, that doesn't mind discarding basic energies. Um, it may not be the best thing to put in it, but it is an option. Um, so, And other decks that may not be able to discard basic energies as well. So as 
willy-nilly, I guess, is the word that might be working, the fun word I might be trying to use um, there. <laughs> so it could it could prove useful for decks. So 100%. And, and like in a Gardevoir deck that uses Greninja to draw a couple bits of cards, but then ultimately kind of like, I think, doesn't want Greninja there after a while because you can't you can't psychic embrace to it and uh whatnot. Uh it could free up the radiant slot for something else. Um right. in in that type of deck as well. Uh so because there are good radiants still available. So right. And it, actually the more you say that and you talk about it, like this kind of sounds like it could go really well with a uh, a Gardevoir deck because you can, like you said, replace the Gardevoir or uh, replace the Greninja and then potentially put another um, attacker in there or or something else um, to, to boost that up. Um, so we'll see. Um, I think, you know, it's not necessarily a must play, but it's like uh, in combination of, you know, different kind of cards that you can put in a deck. All right, we had another interesting card too coming in the 151 set. Uh, we saw our first look at Aerodactyl, um, which also comes with because we can't be uniform in Pokemon, a new fossil. Um, so the now getting the old Amber fossil, um, to evolve into the Aerodactyl because Aerodactyl is a stage one, um, basically works like any other fossil. Um, but it does come with the ability that prevent all effects of your opponent's Pokemon abilities done to this Pokemon. So can't be affected by abilities. So you can't throw, I don't know, uh, damage counters on it with La Hulucha or something like that. Yeah. Um, uh, which, is, which, yeah. which is good. So at least it has something a little extra for being the fossil on the bench. But mm -hmm. uh, the Aerodactyl um, comes into play as a colorless Pokemon. 130 HP. Um, it has two attacks for a colorless energy. It glides for 30 damage. Ooh, um, oh my gosh. A gentle slap. As powerful as a soft slap. Or no. Gentle slap. Gentle slap. Um, so... That's how, how good gliding is. Uh, for two colorless, it has Degeneration Arc. 100 damage. If your opponent's active Pokemon is an evolved Pokemon, devolve it by putting the highest stage evolution card on it into your opponent's hand. So this, I think, can definitely be good. Um, again, I don't know exactly what kind of archetype it fits into. I don't know if it exactly fits into its own archetype. It might. Um, you know, cards in the past that, you know, in our past, like uh, the de-evolving Bennett, never really quite saw play because in that specific meta, um, you you would still try to do some damage and like de-evolve him. Um, but oftentimes, even devolving him into like a, a, a V or a VMAX, into a V wasn't quite enough damage uh, to take that KO. Um, but with, you know, us seeing the EXs going from single prizers, they have such a low HP base going into such a high HP base. Um, and you see that countless examples um, that you're doing that. Um, you hit, you hit for what you said, a hundred. 
Um, obviously, it's not going to Oko uh, that that two prizer like a like a Gyarados is a perfect example. He's like three hundred plus HP, and then his his uh, Magikarp is what 30, 30 HP, something like that. So you're well above that. Um, so obviously, you're not taking multiple prizes um, off of these KOs, but you are still just taking KOs for um, a double colorless um, attack, basically, um, which would obviously bring it down to 80, but a, a lot of times that's going to do it um, depending on what the Pokemon is that you're you're striking into. Um, so I can see a lot more value. Um, I don't know necessarily if it's going, how dominant it's going to be. Obviously, we have to see where the meta lays out, but um I can see value in this card again, um, you know, over like a Bennett variant of the past. Yeah, um, I, I I was going to bring a point, kind of the same point there. Um, I don't know if it's going to be good, depending on upon release of when this comes out. Um, I don't know if you're it's going to be great upon the set it comes out in, uh, because uh, you're best target for these kinds of attacks right now is is like a Gardevoir EX but that's like that's where this this would really shine into uh, because you can get a bunch of fossils out not easily but you can you can have fossils in play um usually when there's fossil tech there's some something to help you get fossils in play but um you can bring this Aerodactyl up and then uh you can do the degeneration arc on like a Gardevoir EX. And then, yeah, you don't KO a Gardevoir EX, but Corellia sits at 80 HP. That's gone. So, uh, and maybe the access to Gardevoir EX is gone. Um, also, I don't know if you, uh, the the fact of de-evolution could be, uh, I don't know if you saw, you said you didn't watch Portland a lot during day one, but mm -mm. it's not even uh, a day one game pertaining to standard format, but their throwback format, I think they were playing 2011 or throw, they threw it back real far. Um, but one of the attacks they used in that game, there was a Jirachi that could de-evolve to Pokemon. Right. And right. Um, in the game, they, in, in their matchup, it was uh, Kyle versus Jeremy Jallen. Uh, he Kyle de-evolved two of Jeremy's Pokemon that he had rare candy. Right. So the rare candy that's, that's, have been used. That's so another great point. That you can't go back into uh, another Pokemon. So if if you de-evolve something, you're going to KO something, and their rare candy is gone. So uh, double bonus, like they have to then hit both evolutions or something right like that. right and and right now obviously gardevoir's the deck uh that we're seeing rare candy in but uh as we go further and further in this ex era you're going to see more um you know decks that are probably going to use that rare candy it's going to be a little bit more prevalent as we start to slow down a little bit or decks kind of phase into the next um you know the next era uh, that we're going to be in so um you know there's still it's one of those that put it in your in your bulk get ready um and then kind of just read the meta and try to maybe catch people off guard for sure yeah and the 100 damage is actually really good that this will be good the more decks that come out that want to use evolution the ex evolution lines or evolution lines in general this is uh, the damage is a good total that if you take off the highest damage total you might get a knockout or you most likely will get a knockout actually but right and then obviously hopefully disrupt their evolutions.
but that is um that is the only, the only there's one more card i wanted to uh, we didn't talk about i wanted to bring up because they released uh deck lists and i thought this was interesting and i don't know if you saw it so i'm going to read it to you but they have uh, there's new exs coming out in starter decks which we'll probably get into sets there's a Clefable, uh, a Numeridon, and Crydon, a Greninja, uh, and a Victini. But the one I want to talk about is Decidueye EX. Um, so it comes with an ability, which is why I think it's interesting, um, and, and an attack. So the ability is called Untethered. Um, so this is a 320 HP Stage 2 Decidueye EX. Uh, once during your turn, you may use this ability. If this Pokemon is on your bench... You may switch it with your active Pokemon. If this Pokemon is in the active spot, you may switch it with one of your benched Pokemon. Um, so it has a little bit of rush in and I don't know, go to the bench. Hit and run. And, hit and run. Hit and run. Um, uh, and then for a grass on a colorless hunting arrow, 130 damage. This attack does 30 damage to one of your opponent's benched Pokemon. Uh, it's kind of like a classic Decidueye attack of being able to hit the bench. Attack's not too crazy, but the being able to switch in and out. Um, now, you can only do one, obviously. Um, but uh, it's been a while since we've really seen Rush In. I don't know if that's a, a worthy ability or not being on a stage two, but I thought it was cool to bring I, up. I, I think it's definitely something that needs to be played around with. I know in the past we've seen hit-run decks kind of um, you know, see some success. I know the last few iterations, um, in the last couple of years, maybe not so much, but uh, when you're an EX there, um, you know, it's definitely something to you know t- take a look at. And if you know there's anything that's weak to grass, obviously that would be great. If something you know, if something prevalent was weak to grass, you can come in there um, and take advantage of, of that matchup as well. All right, that's all I got for the news. Let's get into the meat of this episode's conversation. I was kind of at a loss of what to talk about uh, originally um, this week because you know we're in the midst of you know we're getting into the second half or the back half of the of the season, um, and we've already kind of talked about how to prep for regionals. Um, last week we talked about the mental health aspect of it. Um, we talked about reading the meta game and everything like that, and you know I didn't want to like completely rehash it. Um, but still, like, talk about, um, you know, something that that maybe is a little not necessarily controversial, but that people have hot takes on it. Uh, and I, I'm taking this off of my testing partner, Mike. Again, uh, we we like to get into, um, I wouldn't say heated arguments, but we're very opinionated one way or the other um, on, on this. And he keeps sending me lists of deck lists from you know Japanese. Uh, tournaments and there was one recently um where Gardevoir won I think it was this last weekend um and there, I guess I have a hot take on it where I was like um it, it, I, it's hard to where to start here so I guess going after a rotation like we just did um in seeing new cards there's some value in that to see some deck archetypes that are seeing some key um you know some meta meta shares or anything like that and then you can make make your early um your early rotation decks um maybe based off a little bit of that information um but 
once we're like in the thick of things, now these decks are known in North America or in the Western world, I would say. I think for us in the Western world, sure, you can maybe look at them, but I would not really put any stock into them at all uh, because the Japanese metagame is still vastly different from the, the Western world's metagame, especially here in the U.S., um, where, you know, you see Guard of War do successful uh, over there because of uh, maybe a couple texts that, um, you know, they ha they have for their uh, meta that they're in that are not going to work out. So that deck's not going to see um, as much success. Um, in addition, um, it's best of one instead of best of two. Uh, so that's a huge factor on it. Um, so for me, I think, you know, looking at Japanese results, especially when you're trying to prepare uh, for, you know, regionals that we're going to go to for cups that you're going to go to. Um, I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, I don't I, I don't think that they they're apples to apples. I think you're you're comparing apples to oranges there. Um, but I, I want to hear your take on this because I know I'm. um you know, very anti it. Uh, so I, I, I have a feeling, and we didn't talk about your opinion before this. I have a feeling you're more on the side of Mike, uh, where where you know you're gonna draw information off this that might be potentially uh, useful. Uh, I will. I, I guess I will be a little bit more on the side of Mike, um, but not too much, per se. Um, I don't believe there is. You you can put some stock in. And looking at the Japanese meta, um, you can see, um, okay, so coming into um, like Scarlet and Violet, you could see some archetypes can do well. Uh, kind of like Gardevoir in set, like uh, if a new set releases and there's a new archetype or, or something like that, uh, uh, you can see if it's, if it's viable or not. Right. Um so we saw that Gardevoir did well um out the gate. So you're like, okay, this is pretty viable. So you can put a little bit of like stock in the fact that okay, this is gonna work uh in a format uh versus most things. But there are things that you have to take a lot of grains of salt with it because uh best of one is a completely different beast than a best of three format. Um there are certain things that you just won't see and deck archetypes are built a lot differently uh for not a lot differently but differently for a best subtle of differences form. that make a huge difference overall in a, in a long tournament yeah um a best of one format you're building a deck to care about your deck and what your deck is supposed to do and that's it you are not making any kind of judgment calls on what's in the meta mm -hmm. uh with deck space like your deck has to function every single game you can't uh bench cramorant and pass like uh you do that like you can't do that very many times at all um because these tournaments are one they're also huge uh they're in japan so um, every, like, and they all matter. There's limit, you are only limited to how many you can go to. Right. So right. Um, tournaments in general are very, like, things matter. Like, so the deck has to function, has to, has to do what it wants to do very consistently. And you may not be able to detect 
for everything. That's going to come down to playing the matchup optimally for yourself. Um, so right. you won't have things like that. So there, there's grains of salt to take with it. Um, but you can get a little bit of information from it to see what archetypes may be, may be well and may not be well. So, but this is... you, you, you will also be losing out on a lot of archetypes that could be very well that won't be played because they're slower or something like that. Right. I mean, there's a lot of validity to what you just said, too. Um, but in my opinion, the biggest reason not to, uh, especially, and we're talking regional levels, cups levels, things like that. Uh, if you're wanting to go to a challenge and locals, um, that's 100% viable because obviously you're just trying, you know, you're just trying to look at a deck or it's deck list, see, and it's interesting or fun or something different. Um, but the biggest, like, takeaway that i have with a lot of the top players and why they see success is how they read the meta how they read the meta um from what we're seeing here in north america or the western world and and what text and and in cards that you can play um that counter what we are seeing live every week to week if you're looking at a japanese deck they are countering for a completely different meta so in this example He's been sending me Gardevoir decks like, oh, these are good decks. And I'm not saying they're not, but Japanese players don't play as much Lost Box. Um, and Lost Box traditionally is not a good matchup for it. So obviously, they're not worried about Lost Box as much as we are here. North America, 28.2% day two. You're not seeing that in Japan. So if you're making a deck, a competitive deck that is from like Japan, that's a Gardevoir, um, they, they're not considering that matchup as much as you should be, um, you know, going into like a regionals like this. So um, you're setting yourself up for failure because the number one, you know, name of the game is meta prediction and how effective it is um, off of your read. Um, so if you're, if you're just taking a, a, a deck there at a starting point, um, it's not necessarily taking the, the meta that we are seeing um, into effect and ultimately can cost you a game or two or a set or just enough points where you, you know you're you're not gonna see success or you're just gonna fall short um because they're the, the metas are different enough um even in, in right now because you know they have different card pool uh, than we do um so that also can play into to the effects there um so those are like the main reasons i guess um, and I, I've never heard really anybody have this kind of argument um, for or against it. Um, and I felt it was different enough that and valid enough that uh, and, a, and enough people actually look at these um, and take in consideration. So that's just my two cents on it. Um, I would like to hear what everybody else thinks about it because it's, it is a little bit different from like the norm uh, of conversation. It is different. And, and I, I see... I mean, you have very valid arguments on on why you can't really look at it. Um, just like uh, looking at what people say in Twitter. Coming back to the the thing we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago in the Champions Festival argument, um, is that that was like the argument was that was the whole thing was that that was the optimal way to build Gardevoir upon the release of. Uh, Pau Day Evolve, which is already released in Japan. Mm -hmm. But I, I believe we're seeing tournaments 
So that's legal. Like this whole built deck build uh, that we are talking about is the optimal way to guard play Gardevoir is legal in Japan. And I think we're still seeing Gardevoirs not using it and winning tournaments. So like I'm seeing the argument, like I've seen it on Twitter, like because Jake Gearhart's a big proponent of, of Trip Champions Festival. Right. People like hitting him up on Twitter, like is, is Champions Festival still the optimal build? With posting like deck lists of people without using it winning big tournaments and that's where you uh, there there's the you look at japan and you go yes they, you can do this but you have to take a little bit with a grain of salt because that probably won't necessarily transfer one-to-one -one to western uh pokemon play like you're saying mm -hmm. japan is different they play differently they play they build decks differently it's just a little bit of a different right. monster over there um and by no means am i saying their deck choices are uh bad deck choices because obviously their meta is different so it it, it could be the no. best uh you know deck choice for the meta that they're in um, so I'm not I'm not like saying that their decks are inferior or any, any anything like that. It's just a completely different game that you're looking at. And in my opinion, I just don't feel like um, it's valid for the reasons I kind of stated above. And I think if you're going to do anything um, outside of just like reading your your local meta and making um, decisions off that, um, you know, going into like rotations or sets that are about to come come out um, is like look to, you know, look to the past and what worked. And, and why it works so for example like iono's coming out and that we're going to um you know look ahead um to see how that might affect the meta and if the, you're you're going into a tournament like after um you know we get the the set uh, iono comes out maybe you look into sets and see how like n functioned and why it functioned and and see if you can kind of like mirror deck to kind of look like that as far as a consistency over that, like going over to like a you know deck list from Japan necessarily. Um, is more look at, at like the meta that was relevant at the time frame, you know, where we are in, in the Western world. Yeah. Uh, you're taking you're taking a similar effect and looking in the past to recreate the similar effect now. Like uh because we're getting similar card design. So looking back in the the formats where N was legal, you can go, oh, well, this deck functioned well because of XYZ. Well, X was N. Iono's now N. What was Y and Z? Right. Oh, I can recreate those with these two cards. Like, yes, that that's a totally viable way of going about. I, I, I like your train of thought on that one. Right. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, but again, it, it's just a different way of looking at it. Obviously, um, you know, you still have to put the work, the legwork in for, you know, reading your meta, uh, knowing your deck um, and sequencing in that situation. But when you're trying to, you know, just get that little bit of edge over your opponent um, in the pre-work, um, you know, it's the meta prediction, which I feel like it separates, you know, players like me and you from like Azul, Tord and people like that. Um, and, you know, the goal for all of us is to make those meta calls. Um, so try to base it off of the, the meta that we're in is, is basically the, the overall arc that I'm trying to say. Yeah. I mean, uh, take Alex, just 
calling a meta in general. I, I, Japan, I don't think Japan, anyone was like, oh, Arc Pile is mm -hmm. the way to go. Uh, that's not a deck that they probably would have even looked at playing or did well. But uh, Alex came up with a, a meta in the first tournament that was going to be Scarlet and Violet legal that was a very gutsy meta call because you're basically saying this is what the meta is going to be and here's my cards that are going to counter it. So mm -hmm. you're you're calling it and then you're calling the counters. Right. So that, and he, and and that he separates had, you from the field. And, and in a very early meta, he had a good feel or at least a good gut of a feel of what he was expecting to see. Um, at the top tables, um, and that's what it takes. Yeah. yeah. All right. And that's... Yeah, I think that's going to do it for us. Um, Chuck, I think this was a, a really good episode. I think there are a lot of uh, fun, different um, you know topics of discussion that we had, uh, but I definitely want to hear back from the community um, on your takes, um, you know, the Japanese meadow um, and, you know, what what your opinion is do you think that you should or shouldn't um and then you know um also i want to hear um all, everybody's takes on you know uh squovit saving the day um good bad ugly all of that stuff um are you hyped are you going to play that card more um anything like that so um with that being said thank you everybody for hanging out with us till the end uh and we'll see you guys next time Thanks again for listening to the Pittsburgh Pokemon Podcast. Uh, if, as always, if you could do us and future listeners a favor and leave us a like, a rating, or a review on whatever your podcast platform of choice is, it goes a long way to helping out the pod. Plus, Jake, where can you reach us directly? Yeah, you can get me at Pinux1 on Twitter, as well as Chuck at WatchWhimsy. You can also reach us on Twitter for the whole Pittsburgh Pokemon podcast at Pit Pokepod. Thanks again, guys and gals. We will see you all next time. See you later. <laughs> Team Durant. Team Durant. That's hashtag Durant. Hashtag Team Durant. That's us. I couldn't remember the other Pokemon again. I totally forgot. <laughs> Wimpod. Wimpod. You know how many times I was like, don't say Glycopod. Don't say Glycopod. <laughs>